At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey y'all, it's Dice. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to say on behalf of the NYABGs that we truly love Black businesses and want to see them continue to grow and flourish. We believe that all Black businesses are making a tremendous impact on society by increasing the value of the Black dollar and bringing our communities closer. Our intentions with this episode is to shed light on some of the issues that occur between some Black businesses and their clients in hopes of bringing all of us together so we can continue to change the world. Welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average Conversations. Not Your Average Perspectives. Not Your Average Black Girls. Wood, Not Your Average Black, Not Your Average Black Girls. Not Your Average Black, Not Your Average Black Girls. Oh, I forgot they can see me do my little jig with it this time. That's <laughs> mine. Bye, they're old. I'm over it already. Get it off. <laughs> this, is, this is what happens. Y'all don't normally get to see all this, but this is what happens behind the scenes. Um, <laughs> moving right along. All right, y'all. Today you got me, Dice. I'm joined by Meg, aka Meg Money, and Jordan, aka Joe Nasty. Today's topic is Black businesses with a slight emphasis on Black hairstylists in particular. <laughs> y'all, so just a fun fact that y'all would never know if we did not tell y'all. Um, we tried to record this episode a very, very long time ago when NYABG was just a, a wee infant out here in the world. We we tried to record this episode and we felt like it didn't go that well. So now that we're a little more polished, as we, we'd like to think, uh, we're going to try to Professional. tackle We're going to try to tackle this topic again. Um, so nevertheless, what kind of brought this on was recently, I again, I'm not saying no names, y'all know, I don't snitch on nobody. But I had a recent experience with a hairstylist where um, they had changed their booking process and did not make me aware. And I'm sure several other clients aware that they had changed it. So with this particular stylist, I used to have to book like basically a month in advance. And so um, they were saying, you know, you have um, when you see me post like the how they work with like when you see me post this on Instagram, just know that the books are open for my loyal clients and you can go ahead and text me because they basically would post like, Oh, I'm booking starting January 15th or something, whatever. Right. Um, and so whenever you saw that post, cause they would post it early, you would send that text and say, Hey, I want my appointment for this date, that date, whatever for February. Well, I followed the protocol and sent my little text like, Hey, I want my appointment for such and such. And they were like, Oh, um, I'm fully booked up for the month. So I immediately got pissed off and um, Megan Meg Jordan saw this in live, like live action, real time. Cause it happened like while I was on the phone with them and I was pissed. Like, I was like, what do you mean you changed your booking policy? Like I was not aware of that. So I texted the person back and I was like, um, so what's the policy? Because somehow I missed that and I don't know how I missed it. 
So this individual sends a video, y'all. And I'm not talking about just any old video. I'm talking about like fancy ass camera, the captions on the video. It was great lighting. I mean, this is a production, okay, that this person sent me explaining their new booking process for 2022. And so I was like, really? <laughs> like, really? This is what we doing? All that just for booking info? For real. Something you could have just told me because you saw me in your chair the week before. And so basically they had changed their booking policy and was like, oh, if you're a loyal client, you have from this date to that date to book. And then if you're not, it's just, you know, it was becoming too complicated. And I had said this to Megan and Jordan at that time. Like I was like, I'm all for people growing their business and like, you know, making it out here. I think it's great when you get to a point where you're able to start stepping things up and leveling up. But I think sometimes when people do that, they forget like where their money really is. And I'm like, your money is in your loyal clients. So like, I've been going to this particular person since June. I'm probably not the longest standing client they have, but I would say that's a pretty significant chunk of time to be consistently going to somebody once a month. So I'm like, you got time to play me to the left? Like, <laughs> like I was in my feelings. I was in my feelings bad, y'all. So anyways, long story short, that's how this whole topic came to be. So, I think in the end, our goal is really to kind of dissect the mindset of some of these black business owners and then try to figure out how we can come to some sort of agreement, some sort of middle ground, hopefully. But I'm going to stop talking, so I'm going to give the other ladies a chance to chime in, share stories, whatever y'all want to do. I want to know what Jordan got to say. <laughs> well, I just want to I just want to piggyback off of what Dice said and, you know, reiterate, we are not trying to bash anybody. We are black women ourselves. Everybody has their own passions that they dibble and dabble in. So by no means are we out here trying to like downplay <laughs> another black business. Um, but with that being said, and however, right, the customer service, we got to we got to. We got to keep that up. We got to keep that at the forefront, I feel like, of every business industry. Like, to a certain extent, these are service businesses or you do work with other people. And how you engage with people, how you talk to people is so important because your product or your business or your service could be trash. But if someone likes working with you, they'll keep giving you money. And for whatever reason, it's like, I feel like the black hairstylists have forgotten that. Like, in their mind, it's, oh, they need their hair done. They Hmm. need this style. Hmm. When in reality... All you do is one style. Like, y'all not even no hairstylists, no hairdressers, no nothing. Y'all braiders, y'all ponytail makers, y'all flat ironers. That's it, right? Like, literally. Wait. A butcher, a baker, and candlestick maker. That's, that's what I, that's what I said. Heard. Y'all ponytail makers. <laughs> now, that's a new one. That's a new one. No, that is, I mean, you know, y'all know what it is. But I was trying to book. Literally, I just had an experience like two days ago. I was trying to book for a hairstyle. Um, and I was like, first of all, I was on Instagram searching. So that's kind of how I found a lot of my my hairstylists that I go to. And y'all, I came across this one lady, and literally in her uh in her like booking info, it said, Come with your hair already flat ironed. I said, You you're really tripping. You're, she really was a ponytail maker. Like that was the only hairstyle I was going for. It would have been for ponytails. And this girl said, come with your hair already flat iron. Ma'am, from that point, I might as well just go ahead and put it in the ponytail too and just pull up with the braiding hair. Yeah, because what was she going to do? 
Like I don't edge, get edge it. control and a brush. Edge control. <laughs> Give me a mile's worth of edges. Slick them things down. Fry them. Slick them. Like don't nobody have time for that. So I'm just really over it. Like and honestly, I was I was. This conversation is on time because hair hair uh, experiences aside, I just had an experience with the black business in general the other day that has sent me on a straight rent rocket to the moon. Like I was I was teed off. I might I might share it a little bit later, but I'll let Megan go for now. <laughs> I just feel like, okay, so let's let's dissect this, right? Like, what is, what do you think the root of the problem is? Because we all have horror stories at the end of the day. Like, we could go on for hours and hours about our different experiences with either booking or trying to book or what was required or the cost or whatever. But, like, the fact that so many of us, not just the three of us, but so many of us in the Black community are saying the same things, what is the root of the problem, I mean, I wish I knew. I guess we could all give, you know, an educated guess. But I think part of it is we're in an age where people are trying to do a lot. So it's like they're no longer just focusing on one thing. So it's like in the past, if you were a hairstylist, nine times out of ten, you were just a hairstylist. There there was nothing else to it. Now, new age people are like, oh, I'm a hairstylist, but I also am trying to open up, you know, a separate business. Oh, I'm also trying to teach classes. Oh, I'm also, you know what I'm saying? So I think once we started introducing all these other, like, I guess you could say, revenue streams or possible revenue streams, then the focus became less about doing hair. And then I also think, you know, maybe in their defense, I don't know, but I'm sure it happens. They might have a lot of people, you know, who are flaky, you know what I'm saying? Which is why they might have some crazy policies um, or people who, you know, um, show up and expect one thing and say one thing and they get another or vice versa. I'm sure they have their own issues, but I just feel like for me, the problem comes in when you know you have loyal clients and you're, you know, kind of pissing them off. That That's to me the issue. Like, I'm like, you know this person, you know they're going to come through. So that's the person that you need to be looking out for versus, you know, getting these new people or teaching these classes. That's cute. <laughs> but some people only come to you one time and they ain't never coming to you again. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's, that's really good, Dice. Yeah. Um, but also too, I think it's a lack of education, like business savvy education, Um, And a lack of mentors, like a lack of seeking guidance. And so because a lot of them are like kitchen beauticians, right? You just hopped up overnight and you decided, hey, I'm good at this one hairstyle, literally. And I'm going to start, you know, getting people to pay me for this. I'm going to charge them out the ass for it at that. But anyway, um, you didn't really seek any guidance. You didn't really like work in a shop. You know, you didn't go through that apprenticeship. You didn't go to school, like all of that schooling and education that going to beauty school gives you. So let alone how to be a stylist, but also to how to engage and run a business. They're not, they're not doing that. They're circumventing that process just to get straight to the money. So going back to what Dice said about people having multiple streams of income, but it's also that get money fast mentality, right? Like sometimes people don't even want to put their heart and soul into being a hair stylist they just doing this for the time being much like what dice said and also too like what i'm saying like it's just i'm just doing this because i know i can charge out the ass for it people gonna pay me that's gonna put a roof over my head and it can buy me the next boom boom boom, right and then i'm gonna move on to the next one so i don't know it's just a lot of they always talking about building loyal customers but i feel like there's no true loyal stylist to the actual service in that profession I agree. Honestly, I think the root of the problem, um, and I'm sure I'll get some pushback for this, but I feel like the root of the problem just is ultimate like laziness. I think that people are lazy in terms of 
dedicating themselves to really perfecting their craft. I think people are lazy in terms of learning proper business etiquette. I think people are lazy in terms of um, spacing out, you know, I guess time slots like for their work. I feel like people also um, are a bit greedy, are a bit money hungry. I was recently in a clubhouse room. Yes, I know. I know we. I'm very rarely on clubhouse, but when I am on, I seem to catch like a really good room. And I was recently in a room where they were talking about like black women. Um, I think the room was called "Is the Beauty Industry Like um, Anti-Black" or something like that, and it was centered around um, black women. Like, are you know black makeup artists, black um, hairstylists, etc., anti-black towards our own people, like towards black women? And I heard a woman. And I thought this was so interesting because in my mind, I was like, I'm glad to hear this. I don't think I'm in her city, but if I was, I would never go to her. Um, I heard a woman literally give like a breakdown for how she has essentially mastered being able to charge pretty much three times as much for her services, you know, than what they're really worth. Um and the fact that she was giving other stylists like game on that, like telling them what to do to get to that point, I was like disgusted almost. Cause I'm like, so you're just sitting here admitting that you're charging people what $600 for what easily could be a $200 sew-in. Number one, I'm upset with the people who are paying you that $600 because you just sat here and admitted that it it's not really worth that, but that's what you're charging. And number two, I'm upset with you for getting over on your own people that way. Um, and I also heard another lady talk about how, like, she realized how, that she could get more money by, you know, doing maybe a silk press for $80 in, like, 45 minutes. She was like, I no longer do sew-ins because the money that I could get from doing silk presses all day easily, like, trumps what I could get from maybe doing one to three sew-ins a day. I don't mind stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you feel like you found a specialty or you found something that works for you, then do it. But for me, it's the you know, it's the scamming, it's the getting over on people, it's the trying to figure out how to squeeze as much money out of just this one client or these two clients per day that bothers me. Um, And that's what I mean when I say that laziness. Like, I I feel like right now, the industry is just full of a lot of people who are trying to figure out how to get as much money as possible out of one person, you know? And if they have two or three more that day or that week, then so be it. But you know, if I could get 1500 out of you, I'm going to get 1500 out of you. Um, and, and I just, I don't support it. It really makes me upset if I'm being quite honest. No, I respect that. Side note, I don't know why I hit that raise hand emoji. I, I didn't think it would do all that. And of course, this is the one episode when we're like recording video as well. So, my bad. We've never clicked that button. I didn't know what it did. But no, Megan, I think you're hitting at something that really speaks to me deep down in my soul too, because I think it's just something about being a part of the black diaspora in America, where we have lost our sense of collectivism and community. And so we have this mentality of me and I and doing what's best for me and I. And I think that, um, translates back to the hair industry because that's the mentality that these younger stylists are taking on. It's about, well, how can I get the most out of my time instead of how can I give a good quality service, which is also, you know, a bargain or of good quality and a good price for the people that I'm servicing. Cause that's how you 
continue business. That's how you build loyalty. But no one's thinking about that. It's just like, how can I get $600 today? Like, I need to figure out a way to make this money by tomorrow. Like, that's how all these stylists are. I need to, I need to figure out a way to get hundred grand by tomorrow. And by all means, they try. Because when you look at people who get these $600 braids in all these random parts of America, and then you hop on TikTok and people getting the same braids, if not better and quicker, and in Accra for $15, <laughs> make it make sense like I can't even get it out make it make sense it's not so I don't know man it's just a whole lot a whole lot I'll be over it um Jordan something you said was interesting because you said something along the lines of um a sense of community like we lost that sense of community and I I wonder if it was ever really there and why I say that is because if we, you know, if we take it real, 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 real far back <laughs> um, and we get into, you know, the slavery era and, and the results of that, you know, aftermath of slavery, things like that. Um, I don't ever know. I, I mean, I don't know if anybody ever knows, but I don't know if we were ever that together. Um, I feel like, you know, when we were, from what we know about slavery, um, the white man, for lack of a better way of putting it, <laughs> did a really good job of separating us out, as we all know. So separating the dark skinned slave from the light skinned slave and, and, you know, the man from the woman, et cetera, you know, just doing all, just doing the most. And so I think since the beginning, as far as we can go back, there has been an attempt to always keep us divided within our own group. And so I don't know if we were ever together. We might've had moments where we were more collective, you know, and you can reference like more recently the BLM movement and things like that, where we were, and you still had some people in there that was, you know, not with it. But the point is that was probably the most together I've seen in my lifetime as black people. But I think the problem is with black people in general, um, we tend to not be very, um, what's the word I can like giving for lack of a better word, when it comes to our own people. Um, you know, I feel like a black person will, will give to a person of a different race before they would give to a person in their own race. Or, you know, if they know, like, for example, I'm just probably gonna make it a lot more clear. So I feel like I'm all over the place. Um, for example, when my grandma was alive, um, the house next door was available for sale, uh, because the, na- the neighbor had passed away and my grandma wanted to buy the house. And the neighbor was also a black woman. And so long story short, they didn't want to sell the house to her, didn't give her a reason, but then sold it to a white man. You see what I'm saying? So it's this mentality of, well, I know I ain't going to do shit with it, but I'll be damned if I let you let another, you know, person, you know, do it like, no, you ain't going to do it. I'm going to give it to the white man. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's this mentality there that, you know, we can't have anything, or if we do only one or two of us can have it. I know that's kind of a tangent, but I just feel like it ties in a little bit. Well, I just want a quick rebuttal. It's not that I don't disagree with Dice at all, because I really do. And by all means, I am down for blaming our issues with black hairstylists today on the white man. That's fine (laughs) with me. I believe it's probably true. Um, However, if I could just rebuttal one piece of it with regard to if we were ever a collectivist society, Maybe I'm a dreamer, maybe I'm too nice, maybe I'm naive, but I want to say that at one point we were, right? Now, I was not alive, obviously, way back then. I have never lived in Africa. I've never been a part of those communities over there. However, just seeing the sense of community that they have amongst themselves, right, whenever they come to America, now granted, 
They are still separated based on countries, right, over there, dialect. There are still things that keep people separate and apart. And that's just that just boils down to, you know, economics and surroundings. Like those things are going to be around. But nonetheless, like they still show support of one another. They still have like African groups. They always seem to find themselves. And I just feel like if we were still a part of that community, if the Black diaspora was not the Black American group, but the African American group or the African group, right? We would still be a part of that collectivism up underneath the nation that is Africa or underneath the content that is Africa. So yes, I do agree, Dice, you are right. The white man came in and mind effed us all the way up. And so there are a lot of social constructs that we have then continued to perpetuate for generations and generations and generations that have contributed to the crab in the bucket mentality, right? Or the crab in the barrel mentality, which was the example that you gave with your grandma and her neighbor. It had nothing to do with the white man. It had nothing to do with your grandma. It was all down to the fact, I'm not going to let this other come in and get, you know, I'd rather give it to somebody else. Um, And also too, the white man has taught, you know, older generations are still struggling with this but the white man has taught them to believe that white is right so let alone the fact that it could be a crab in the bucket mentality it's the white man's money is greener than the black man's money that's just all I know right and 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 that's just that so there are a lot of issues that we deal with as a society our diaspora specific that are due to the white man's infiltration and I I 100% agree with that but in my mind's mind and in my heart of hearts I would like to believe that had the white man not come over there all those years ago, that there still is the potential that we could be a part of a community environment and a communal way of engaging and interacting with one another. But, you know, black people still gone black. So keep that in mind. <laughs> I mean, to that note, I think I think things have gotten better. Um, we're still not where we need to be by any stretch. But I do think within our own communities, I've seen it on social media where people are more willing to give information than they ever have been before. Um, so I see a lot less information and knowledge hoarding than I saw, you know, even when I was in like my early twenties, you know, you couldn't get nothing nobody trying to help you. Um, but now I feel like people are a little more receptive and, and start to realize that like one wins, we all win and there's enough for everybody out here to make it. So that's my last little tidbit I wanted to say. Sorry. One more thing. And I'm going to shut up too, but just to agree with dice, Sally dice, I think, we are now learning how to be like that, right? Like I think our community, our our generation and the generation behind us for sure are we're learning like, hey, it's it's okay to share information. It's okay to help another person up because you never know when they get up, they'll look back, reach the hand down and pass the ladder or the baton to you so that you can find your way up as well because that's how the white folk do it, right? And I feel like mm-hmm. we're learning now. They look out for each other. Yeah, there's for a the lot less. Part. There's a lot less gatekeeping going on and um, people are also getting more comfortable with calling it out. Like I know I've been seeing it on, of course, where we see everything nowadays on TikTok, like when people are given, you know, life hacks or, oh, here's how I got into this, how I got into that. Like I'm seeing more of those black people step up in the comments, be like, okay, so, you know, um, I see where several other people have asked you, sis, like, are you going to gatekeep this or are you going to put the rest of us on? Like, you know, you're going to help us win as well. And then usually a comment like that will trigger the person to be like, okay, a lot of y'all have asked me, like, let me share with you how I did X, Y, and Z. And then like you said, Dice, you do have some people who are just on their own sharing that stuff now and saying like, here's how I got into this. Here's how I got into that. So I think that on that note, we are doing better. I do feel like at one point in time, we had a strong sense of community. I do think that we saw that 
um, definitely deteriorate. As we know, like once the crack epidemic and stuff started happening, like I do feel like that is where our sense of community started to fall apart. Because when I think of like stories and just different times that like my grandparents may have told me or even like things that my mom would have told me about just with like how neighborhoods would work and how things would work growing up, like it is a lot different. Um, and I think going through that time period definitely obviously like put a strain on things for our community, but you know, I think that deep down inside, like all of this stems from everybody just wants to win, like everybody just wants to eat. And I think that we have gone through and are somewhat still going through just a time period of the mindset of like, well, if you eat, that means I can't, right? And it's like, we have to get ourselves out of that mentality of thinking that like, we both can't have it, like we can have it. And just because I'm telling you how I got it doesn't mean that that's going to take away from me having anything that I have. That just means that another person who looks like me is going to have it as well. Um, and, and I think that we see some of that, like with these black businesses and, you know, we've been putting the emphasis on hair, like it is just, I don't know. It is almost like, I almost be feeling like robbed almost. Y'all would be like, well, saying, are you trying to charge me this much? Cause you don't want me to like come up on my savings. You like, I'm gonna charge her, you know, this many hundred dollars for her hair so that she don't have money for nothing else. Like that's how I be feeling like, dang sis, you trying to put people in the poorhouse? I don't, I don't understand. But, um, I'm trying to think of some other businesses that like, I feel like need to step up um their game in terms of like black businesses because it ain't just the hairstylist i don't want it to come off like we're just you know dumping on the um well hairstylist i mean i'm I'm trying to think too but i do know like i don't know if y'all ever experienced this like just in general with a black business but i kind of feel like when you're dealing with like our people that they don't like they don't take it they don't take it as seriously almost it's almost like there's like a level um, of comfort yeah, yeah and so they're like you know they feel like they can kind of half do things or you know treat you differently than i feel like if they had a white customer it would be a totally different experience i agree i think that i think that's a double-edged sword because i have talked about this to my mom before because like on one hand it comes off sometimes like they don't take it as seriously or you as seriously or feel like they have to like be as professional. But then on the other hand, it's like, well, you know, I would want like my people to be comfortable with me. You know what I'm saying? Like I would want them to feel like they can be themselves. I think where the problem comes in is oftentimes it seems like you don't get a mixture of the two. Like if they are being themselves, then you don't get the quality work or the professionalism that you're looking for. And then if they're being, you know, professional, then it's like, they're not, I guess, being kind towards you. You know what I mean? So it seems like you never can quite get a good mixture of the two. And I know that's what I would like. Like, if I'm going to get a service by a black person or supporting a black business, I don't care that they feel comfortable enough, like not to have to keep up with the code switching. Like I don't mind that they're their natural selves around me. What I do mind is that if you're your natural self and then I'm not getting, you know, the best work, I'm not getting the best service. That is the part that upsets me. 
Um, and, and I think that's really what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think that all black people would be comfortable with us being each ourselves around each other. Like, you know, cause we kind of tend to do that anyway. It's a matter of, okay, but don't, don't not put forward your best effort just because I'm black. Like still give me the quality mm-hmm. and the conversation. <laughs> like, Be cool um, and give me grade A work. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I was trying to think of other examples. Um, and the only other thing I could think of, and, it, and it's, I think it still applies, but it was a long time ago. But at one point when I was, this is forever ago, but when I was in high school, um, <laughs> I <laughs> taking it way back. I had uh, I had worked for a black business, and it didn't last long. <laughs> uh, my my tenure there neither did the business itself, but nevertheless, it did not last long. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the reason why, like, there's a number of reasons. I mean, but I think with the, with the biggest thing I noticed, even at that age, because I think I was like 16 at that time between working for like, you know, the white, the white man and working for black people is that I felt like the black, the black people I worked for was treating me like I was their child, you know? Um, and I, even just the way they would speak to me was very different. It was not nearly as professional, not nearly as polished. It was very much so like, y'all ain't heard me. what are I doing? Make sure y'all go do that. Cause I'm not, you know, and it was weird. Like, and I just remember being like, I'm not, you're not my mama. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm here to do a job, but I'm not your child. And like, y'all, there was like an incident, I think, where um, the owner's daughter, who had to be like 12 or 13 at the time, was like calling and hanging up. And um, at the third time she called, I know it's just really, it's real petty, but the third time she called, I answered and and she finally said something. I said, I was like, girl, I said, why are you playing on this phone? <laughs> and, and she was like, oh, no, I wanted to know if y'all can make me a such and such or whatever. I was like, okay, cool. Y'all, I kid y'all not. About 10, 15 minutes later, her and her mama, who's also the owner, came into the little shop or whatever, it was a restaurant. And she says, she comes to me and she says, don't you ever talk to my daughter like that again. What? <laughs> I kid you not. And I just looked and I was like, what? Because I knew I hadn't said anything crazy. And she was like, she wasn't calling and hanging up. The phone was disconnected. I'm like, okay, the phone disconnected three times. <laughs> okay. If you say so, ma'am, if you say so. And I knew then I was like, I can't work for you. Yeah, I'm good. And I remember even little things like when it came to training, I felt like we were training ourselves sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, they weren't as, as on top of the training. It was just like, oh, figure this out, figure that out, you know? And I feel like that's, that's a problem, you know, with, with black businesses. I'm not saying all, but quite a few, I think, operate that way. That's Most. Okay. Most. Guys, so you, you just really hit at something. Um, the training. I think sometimes black businesses fail because we don't have an understanding of like organization, planning, structuring, like that strategic type shit, like the the type of strategy that it takes to steal a group of people from their home and also to get like, you know, 
their people to sell them to you and then bring them over to your country and make them think that they working towards freedom when you have no intentions of ever free. You know, like we don't have that type of strategy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we don't know how to organize. Is what we don't we, we don't know how to organize <laughs> shit. And I feel like that is the downfall of a lot of black businesses as well, because what Dice was saying was hitting the nail on the head. No training, not understanding how to talk to people, not understanding the differentiation between when and where, what time work I'm at home or, you know, when I'm at home, I'm at home. But this is work, you know, understanding the different environments that you're in, because that is something that really resonates with me. Like I should not be at work. At my big old colossal, you know, fossil age and somebody talking to me like I'm their grandchild or their niece or something like that is that I'm not making any sense up here. So, yeah, I, I was just going to say that I, we do lack that type of strategy and organization. And I do think that shows a lot of times in our business practices um, and oftentimes, too, when black businesses don't make it because you be letting anybody. I mean. Another tangent, but I was watching like American Gangster, right? Um, and this was about women. It was a BET special and it was about all the women who were like either scamming or like drug dealing and all that stuff. Cause I like to watch shows like that. And one of like the top drug dealers in the state of Alabama, uh, they, they used to go by P. Her name was P. Her whole empire crumbled because she let a no good man, her boyfriend, come up in there and run the finances. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Like, if you're supposed to have a business, you need to have some organization about that. Like, keep the personal away from the business. And although that is like a, a criminal and funny example, I'll say to a certain extent, that is the same way with real legitimate businesses. It correlates with legitimate businesses. And oftentimes it'd be like the people close to you or the people that you allow in who have no business being a part of your business. That is our downfall. That is our crumble. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, mm, I think that just comes from a lot of times, you know, when people feel like they've got a hold of a good idea or a good money maker, like they just want to bring everybody along. And I get that, but I also understand that, you have to know people's strengths within your circle. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I decide I'm about to, I don't know, open up something random like a, a, a poker arena. You know, I need people working for me and with me that know something about A, poker, and B, running that type of business. I don't need somebody who's only ever, I don't know, been a teacher helping me run a poker arena because you're learning just how I am. Like, no, I need me an expert. So I think that just comes from people always want to, like, put their people on immediately, but don't recognize that maybe your people really can't help you get where you're trying to be. So um, my question for y'all is, you know, we've, we've we shared a couple examples of some of the, the poor or less than stellar business experiences that we've had <laughs> with Black people. Um, but nevertheless, uh, what do y'all think, like these businesses should do in terms of how can they improve, you know, what are some ways they can get better? Uh, because I know we've talked a lot about, you know, business etiquette. And I also know though, that that's not something that, you know, is like taught, so to speak. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just saying that if that resource is there, it's not being talked about. Um, so I would like to hear y'all's thoughts on that. If I can go, one thing I'll say two things is care 
care and or listen to what your your clients want and every time you engage with someone like pay attention to their temperament how comfortable they feel engaging with you those things that they're you know willing to ask about your service or about your business and you know just how comfortable they feel engaging with you for one and truly listen to them but two those services that teach customer service are available. And I know that there are some black people in those spaces. And I know this because my job about two years ago sent the entire university through um, like a customer service training. Mind y'all, I'm sitting up in there looking like the hell, like I I know this girl did not just get paid to teach us this. I'm like, damn, I like, I need to do this. Meanwhile, I'm sitting at the table with people and I kid y'all not, they getting answers wrong. And the answers are so blatant. It's like, and this is exaggerated, but <laughs> the choices would be like, should Kyle, A, snatch the paper out of Johnny's hand and say, boy, give me that shit? Or like, should he, B, say, please place the paper, you know, properly down or, you know, safely down on the desk and I'll grab it from you. And like people was in there saying, well, I don't see what's wrong with A. He came up like, I kid you not. I am screaming. I kid you <laughs> I kid you not, Which like this goes to show. Yes, to show. and that's when I realized, like, my light bulb went. You are lying. And all, okay. and all I'm thinking is, all you have to do is just treat people the way you want to be treated. But when you've been in a certain environment for so long and you haven't had any training, you know, going into your profession, for one, you've been in the environment that you've grown up in, and y'all know, like, black people, depending on what part of the the United States that you live in, maybe even what city you live in, what country you come from we have a different tone and way that we engage with each other that may not always mean, you know, like enemy, right? It it could be friendly, but it don't sound friendly. So that's one. But then two, when you find yourself in a specific work environment that you've either had to assimilate to that is a bit brasher or harsher, or you're able to cultivate your own work environment where you bring your own harsher style of communication into it, You don't have any checks and balances in your head that help you regulate like, okay, this is inappropriate behavior, whereas this is appropriate behavior. All you know is inappropriate. So sitting in that in that training when they gave us a blatantly inappropriate answer, yet the people I was sitting at the table with was like, well, what's wrong with it? And I mean, like the girl had to explain like she was like. So they were not was, saying I'm, that. I'm, I'm not joking. I, I am not fired. joking. And literally, I was like, "This makes a lot of sense. <laughs> this makes so much sense. This makes so much sense." So I kid you not. Like people really do need that customer service training, and it's not something that you should probably bypass. Like the most successful businesses, black and white, young and old take customer service and the customer's experience to heart, even more so than the operations sometimes. Because like I said, you can have a sucky product or a sucky service, but have great customer service. And people will just come back for that experience, not not the actual whatever it is. So hire somebody. Well, you train, hire somebody. I mean, and no, you're on to something with that though, Jordan, because I mean, there. I think we all could name at least one person, whether it be like, I don't know, they alter clothes, or you know they're they're in like the food industry maybe they bake cakes i mean something i think we can all think of one person where like you know maybe people in your city always go to them for x y and z are they maybe number one at what they do possibly not you know maybe good at what they do but maybe there is someone out there who does it better but because they offer steady pricing good customer service have a good spirit you know, never done you wrong, always help you out, you know, in a pinch. P- 
people go to them. Like people say, oh, you know, no, I'm always go to, you know, so-and-so because they do X, Y, and Z. Like, so I think you're onto something with that, Jordan. People will remember like how their experience with you made them feel. And that is what gets you your customer base at the end of the day. Like, and this isn't to minimize anyone's talent or craft at the end of the day, like practice can perfect those lashes. You get what I'm saying? Like I can learn to get those lashes down, but can I fix my attitude? Can I fix my policy? Can I fix my pricing? Like, you know, I can get, I can get the craft, you know, it's a matter of do people want to fool with me and communication. Yeah, no communication, communication is a big one. <laughs> because, a big like one. I said earlier, that whole change that my stylist made, that should have been communicated. Mm-hmm. And you you posting something on your Instagram one time is not communication. No, no. <laughs> I'm like, you have access to people's numbers, emails. That's another form of, of communicating with your clients. You mm-hmm. could easily put that out there and let everybody in, in the documents know, you know, your list know, hey, this is that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jordan just put in the chat IG stories. Yes, again, y'all got to get up out of these things. Exactly. Like, and also, too, let's if we're being really transparent. And um, one of my uh, friends, she brought this to my attention because she also had a, a recently a negative experience with a hairstylist. Um, but what she said was, she was like, the problem with them relying on social media is that a lot of the older people aren't on there especially Instagram and TikTok, you know, these newer platforms, a lot of them aren't using that. You know, most old people, they just kind of stick with Facebook if they do anything. And so she was like, the problem is how are you even communicating with your older clientele if you're all not. you're doing is exactly, you're not. That's a simple you don't, Well, and honestly, <laughs> almost all of them are losing out because you probably don't have older clientele because they don't even know you exist because- And then be the ones with the money. Right. Those are the people who go every, <laughs> y'all remember the days when people used to go every two weeks. For the hairdresser and get that get that press and curl. Okay. What's so funny is there were problems then too, but at least Mm -hmm. it was easier to get in. It's like you picked up the phone, you called, you made your appointment, and you were done. Or you had a standing appointment and that hairstylist Mm -hmm. knew you were gonna be there at that time on that day. And if you weren't, you as a client, which y'all should also be doing, because we can't put everything on the people now, you as a client should be communicating with whoever, you know, your person is, your business provider is, and saying like, hey, I'm not gonna make it. Because I, I have agree. heard, you know, hairstylists, nail techs, all these people say like, people don't show up, they don't let me know they're not gonna show up, I'm missing out on money, even wax ladies, all these people are complaining about similar things. So I'm like, you as a customer, there's there's stuff that, you know, we can do better too. I'm not thinking about us because I know we don't do them type of things, but there are people out here who are reckless and don't communicate properly with, you know, the person that's providing the service. So you have to communicate too. Communication goes both ways. Um, but I will say, I did have a black uh, braider out here that was really good. She wasn't the cheapest, but why I went to her was because she was also a cosmetologist, had her cosmetology license. She washed your hair, blew your hair out, trimmed your ends, and put the braids in. I was willing to pay extra because I knew I wasn't going to have to do that. I paid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I don't understand when hairstyles are like, oh, come with this done, come with that done. I'm not coming to you with my hair fixed. I'm not doing it. And I know somebody out here who said her hairstyles told her she had a girl crying in her chair because she came in and she was like, I did the best I could, like trying to blow my hair out before the appointment, y'all. And the hairstylist was like, oh, I was, I'm going to do it. Like, it's fine. And I was like, that just kind of shows how the bad trauma. things have gotten. <laughs> that poor girl was in tears because she thought she wasn't going to be able to get her hair done because it wasn't blown out good enough. Y'all ought to be ashamed. Shame. 
of the trauma that you have caused your fellow black women. But she, you was so right though, man, because it was a tr- she was she was traumatized because more than likely she had a hairstylist say, "I'm not doing your hair." She need you her know? reparations from whatever <laughs> hairstylist inflicted that pain on her. That is unacceptable. I just I can't believe that. I'll tell you what, you know what I just thought of to answer your earlier question. I think people going to be like, this girl is tripping. We need to take it, take it back to the old days. Like take it back to some, what people used to do. And I know you, in my career field, you absolutely have to do this to get, to get in the door or you cannot have the job that I have. I feel like when these people go to cosmetology school for the ones to go to school, cause let's, let's wake that up. Right. Half of them aren't licensed, which is why they're, you know, charging what they're charging and doing it from their home um i feel like for the people who go to cosmetology school it should be written in the rules or the licensing department whatever it is you know you get your license from state board i feel like you should have to have worked under someone for a year like i feel like you i just see what jordan said if you say apprenticeship But I yeah, know that, I said that earlier. Did you say as that? Is the problem? I definitely did. I didn't hear you. No, y'all. Remember, I said earlier. I said they not getting that uh, business education. They aren't. Oh. Business staff. They aren't working under people the way they used. To. Maybe okay, I, you, you, but I said apprenticeship. You didn't use the word. I say apprenticeship, though. That's well, I didn't I hear you. But nevertheless, even if you did say it, I just agree with you then. I, mean, I got a whole mic. You got headphones. You said you didn't hear me? I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you say that. Maybe uh, you didn't hear me. But you know, today. sometimes, you know, we be deep up in thought. Speaking of black businesses, let's talk about this one. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into it. Let's get into it. But no, seriously, I agree with you. Like, and I think it should be a time limit. I feel like you should have to have documented proof of having worked under someone for a year. And let's take it a step further. The same way, like with my job to be a school psychologist, I have to have a year's worth of work underneath another certified and or licensed school psychologist. I feel like it should be the same thing for them. You need to have a year of work underneath a licensed cosmetologist, not your aunt who do hair in the kitchen, who've been doing it for 20 years, like no shade to auntie, but you need to go under someone who is a business professional so that mm-hmm. when you're done with that year, whether you want to work in someone else's shop or you want to start your own thing, you know the business, you have mm-hmm. the skills, you know the financial aspect, you know your slow days, you know about what and kind know of how services. To scale it yes. properly because right. y'all be jumping the gun. And y'all be trying to do all these extra things. And it's like, you're not there yet. Mm -hmm. And again, I commend it. I think it's great that you even have this, this option, but I'm like, take care of home first. Right. I agree. And make sure you have all your ducks in a row with your base, you know, income first, and Mm -hmm. then start branching out into other things. Because Megan and Jordan both know I was about ready to tell our styles. All right. Well, it's been real. (laughs) I was so pissed. I was like, it's been real. I'll find somebody else. I don't have time for this. You know, I was was in my feelings, but it's like, yeah, because I felt slighted. And so your client should never feel that way, especially your loyal clients. I should never feel slighted by you, you know? And so I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, you must don't need my money. (laughs) You know, like that's how I And you know, no shade because like I love the girls, but you know, sometimes we also, as black people, have to think about where are we putting our money in terms of business? And I just have to stop and think sometimes like some of the money that y'all put towards these photo shoots or these video shoots or whatever, that potentially could have been money that you invested in paying someone to help you develop 
a customer base, perhaps on a website, to where you can automatically send alerts, changes, messages, etc., out to Thank your loyal you. customers. You Thank get what I'm saying? Because to me, this whole texting thing, you know, that's cute when you first starting. But once you start to build loyal clients and you start to grow your business, you cannot rely on that anymore. No. You know what I'm saying? Like you need to have a website. You need to have your own way of booking or whatever. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of stylists use, you know, Style Seat, Vagaro, all these third party apps. And that's cool and all. But what people have to also understand is you got to have a business mindset. If something goes wrong with any of these apps, you are screwed. If Style Seat shut down tomorrow. <laughs> You are screwed. What do y'all have? You got to have your own stuff. And so it's like, you need to be migrating off of those platforms and migrating onto your own platform Mm -hmm. so you have more control. Because you can build, I I have seen it, you can build those type of, you know, um, databases into your own website. I've seen it countless times. And and that's more money in your pocket in the end. Right. Because you're giving Style Seat and all these other third-party apps a cut anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. But you know, these two, um, these two black dudes, ah, and I saw this article months ago, so I know I don't remember the details, but I know there's two black men who actually came up with the barber app, right? And I mean, granted, I know what y'all were talking about is take it away from, you know, con- or app creators and put it in your own hands. But if you don't do nothing else, at least come up with a, your own platform specifically for black hairstylists, right? Even if y'all don't integrate them into your own websites and so that's what these two black barbers did I want to say one was like an attorney and maybe they both from like Morehouse or something I don't know maybe I'm attributing you know accolades to Morehouse that aren't true but nonetheless um two of them came up with that and now they like help people find or they connect customers with barbers who pay is it the cut sound about right okay I only know because you know at one point I used to work for like a Let's just say a salon type or hair product business. I was going to say, girl, you used to cut hair? And and, uh, when I was working at said business, you know, um, for those of y'all who don't know, my my current job, my background is primarily right now has been digital marketing for like the last five or six years. So um, we worked with, um, (laughs) we worked with um, the cut for like a a promotion. But yeah, that, that sounds a lot like what you're describing. Okay. We found out that's got the inside connect. Today is the cut. Tomorrow Beyonce. Put us on, <laughs> sis. Put us on. So I can tell we we coming to an end, but nevertheless. <laughs> so, all that being said, y'all, y'all don't know any different, but this this has been a much, much better take than the very first time that we tried to record this topic. We was going to get canceled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, were, we, we were angry. We were angry <laughs> the first time. And another thing. <laughs> there was a lot of spice. There was a lot of anger in that one. But we not doing, you know what, y'all? It's Black History Month, and we want to uplift. You know what I'm saying? We all can, we all can do better. And we love our people and we want to see our people do better and progress out here. We are not trying to bash anybody. We're not trying to bring anybody down. We definitely want to uplift y'all and just give y'all a few pointers. We are not experts, okay? We're just giving y'all the customer perspective, you know, and, and I, you know, we tried to defend y'all too now. We did sprinkle in some things. So I know some clients are trash. I know that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Clients, so stop canceling last minute. Stop doing yeah. no shows. Stop asking your bank to do chargebacks after you know you done paid for that <laughs> service like yeah, no man. stop expecting things that you don't pay for and then stop too, lying. I had somebody recently stop being late to these people places uh, appointments yes. and not paying that fee stop and being get late. mad 
Because right. I'm like, if they do have a fee, I just think you need to honor that person's policy. Mm-hmm. If you're can late we, and they got a fee, you need to pay. Can we can we not have late fees? Maybe maybe like I, I say like know. thirty minutes late because CP, 30, ooh, thirty CP minutes, time, Jordan. But no 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 no. Listen, hear me out. Hear me out. I know he's gonna go, but hear me out. CP time is real, and I feel like they always want us to be on time, and then they be late. So say okay, I'm well, different. different. Yeah, so that's but and, and the thing is, they'll put these late fees in after ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Sometimes that's traffic in the city that you're I in, think, or sometimes issues pop up. And I, I mean, I agree. Maybe it should be case by case, but I, yes, I agree. I definitely think it's case by case because if you're a new client and you you know are fifteen minutes late or whatever the policy is, I think I personally fifteen minutes is fair. Ten minutes to me is a little you know all right, a little tight, but you know fifteen minutes I think is fair. But I can't tell you how to run your business on on that end, right? So at the end of the day, if you're a new client and you're late, I do think you should be paying that person that fee. If this is somebody who you know you've been dealing with for months and they're never late, and this one time they're late, I don't think you know. I think there should be flexibility yeah. there. Now that would piss me off if I've been mm-hmm. coming to you for months and I'm late that one time, and you like, oh, you know, it's extra twenty on there because you. <laughs> I would have been like. What? Like me? But y'all, new clients, they've never been there. Sometimes it's difficult finding these little shacks That's y'all work in. That's like, true you could spend 10 minutes just circling the business. I'm glad you said now, that. Now, we was doing actually... good. Why you said shacks? <laughs> I'm not just being petty. I know. I know somebody that happened to, and they were late or almost late because they the, the location was confusing. And the individual, like the stylist, she didn't have a way to like contact her. Like exactly. it was like only like a DM or something. It was weird. And so it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, this person doesn't have a way of even telling you, like, hey, I don't I can't find your business. So with that being said, there are there are some caveats here. So if you know this is where communication comes in, if you have several clients telling you, I can't find your location then you know that's something that you need to be communicating up front before they arrive. Send them a text and say, hey, turn left here, turn right there, I'm the building in the back, whatever the case may be, to avoid that. But yeah, definitely in that case, you don't need to be charging people a late yard sign. A yard sign is like at max, a fancy one is at max like $40. Y'all can't get a sign and stick it outside like and put <laughs> your business name on it with the arrow underneath it. Like, come on. Like, I'm just saying, the true. strategies are not there, honey. Yeah, like, y'all just don't be putting the care into it that y'all exactly. need. Exactly. You got to care about your business. You got to care about the customer experience. And that is yeah. the whole origin of this So essentially, this you know, yeah. late fees on a case-by-case basis. I think we can all agree to that. I agree. Um, but yeah. If but you, if, cancel that. If if the stylist is late, ain't no late fee. I'm sorry, like because that was it. That is my one pet peeve. Like I make sure I'm on time because I'm not trying to pay you no fee. But if you're late, it's just you know. Mm-hmm. Oh well, yeah, I know for back me. in the day, stylists used to be doing like five heads at once, and they would stick your ass under that dryer for like thirty minutes. It was like, oh, okay, I'll get to you. Now. I'll get to you. Nope. I'm glad that I'm glad those days are gone. I will say that you don't see that as much anymore. But boy, back in like '90s, early 2000s, shit, you was in that thing four hours waiting just all for y'all to press all day, all hours. day. I'm with you, guys. This has been fun. <laughs> this has been fun. We do hope that we were some help of, of some help to somebody out there listening. We don't know, you know, a listener might be a hairstylist or in in some sort of black business. Um, but if you are, and if y'all felt like you know we were wrong. We welcome you to come on to the next episode. We can do a part two, yeah. you know, with an actual hairstylist or a black business owner. You know, we welcome it. So y'all can always 
DM us on Instagram is at NYABG pod. Um, we're also on Facebook, NYABG pod again, or not your average black girls podcast. Of course we have a website. You can contact us there. And that's NYABG podcast.com. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. If y'all have not already. And again, happy black history month. We love y'all and we'll hear you. See y'all in the next one. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.